It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. And I'm joined here by the basketball, football, baseball, UFC fanatics, Dan Rivera, and pregame hitman. You guys can find them on Twitter at DanRivera228 and at pregame hitman. And you can find us all on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Well, guys, here we go. Another podcast. Finally got the hitman on. I know he's been busy driving away at the at the sports books and uh, you know getting limited and getting banned and all the things that he does. And Dan, you know you've been hard at work cutting grass and digging in on NFL stuff. So we want to go ahead and we want to touch on a couple things with the NBA, the NFL. I have a UFC pick that I'm going to go ahead and give out for you guys for this weekend's upcoming event. With the NFL, we're going to talk Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. With the NBA, we're going to talk about the Wizards and the Nets. We'll, we'll briefly go over their little bit of schedules and some of the wagers that we might have. NFL, I want to get a take from the hitman on Cam Newton because he hasn't spoke about that yet. And then we'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs with the whole Mahomes signing. And then if we have any other best bets the guys want to give out, we'll go ahead and do that. I want to start out with the NFL with Coach of the Year. I actually have two picks for this podcast, and one of them will be with Coach of the Year. Dan, you've been digging into this, so you put up a big sheet, you know, involving all these coaches of the years. I want to hear what your take is. Who do you like, and what are some of the things that we should be looking for when it comes to actually picking and placing a bet on a coach of the year in the NFL? Yeah, so I did a massive project, and you guys can go find it online to go read it for yourself for Avoid the Vig website. But the big takeaway was several things on this award. The first thing is you need a winning record. Not a 9-7 and seven record, a double-digit winning record. A lot of these coaches went 12-4 and four on average when they won the award. The next thing you need is you need to be able to make the playoffs. And now, the, here's the hard part when it comes to gambling on this. A lot of these past winners were coming into the season with very low expectations. Think of the teams who took 3rd and 4th in division. And these teams just came in and turned it around the following year. And that's what makes it difficult to win this award. And you need to win the division. 21 of the 25 winners took first in the division. And the other four took second in the division, but with a double-digit winning record. So there's only two coaches in my mind, I think, qualify for all these qualifications I could look for. The first one is Frank Reich. Last year, 7-9. and It didn't look that good. Jacoby Brissett was kind of, ugh, toward the end of the year. But they do get a probably slight upgrade in Phillip Rivers. Their schedule is a joke. I have the Colts winning the division at 10-6. and six. I know a lot of people love the Titans, and I had no problem telling you that I do not like the Titans this year. They are very fraudulent to me. So if the Colts go 10-6 and six or 11-5, and five, that's going to put Reich right in the hair of this award. The next person I like is Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin went 8-8 eight eight last year. We know Big Ben got hurt. So, if Big Ben comes back this year, they look like Pittsburgh of the old, and Big Ben's about 80 to 90% of his old self. Tomlin's probably going to go 10 and 6, maybe 11 and 5. And if they can beat the Ravens at least once and then look good in a loss, I think Tomlin's going to win this award. So, if I had to pick one or two guys, I'm going to go with Reich and Tomlin. All right, so there's Dan Rivera with his two picks. I'll go ahead and throw it over to the Hitman here. Hitman, do you have anybody on your radar for Coach of the Year? Yeah, so. Dan said that you need to have a winning record. And 
one of the things that I look for in this is what's going to be the good media narrative and the good media story. Well, the Cleveland Browns haven't made the playoffs since 2002. And last year, it was a complete coaching disaster. We saw Baker Mayfield regress. Just Freddie Kitchens was the worst possible hire that you could have had. So if the Browns do turn it around and the Browns are a little bit of a media darling, they they were getting a ton of coverage last year and I believe they're going to get a ton of coverage this year. If we see them turn it around and he wins 10, 11 games, then I could see Stefanski getting looked at for this award. And it's not like they're a team that's projected to win six or seven games and we're saying, oh, well, maybe they'll surprise some people win 10 or 11. They're projected to win eight and a half games right now. And if they get to 10 or 11 and Stefanski has the best season that a Browns coach has had since 2002, I think that we're going to see him get a ton of media recognition. And he's 30 to one right now at some books I'm seeing. I would definitely grab a piece of that one. I certainly wouldn't disagree with you, Hitman. One of the reasons why not is because I'm actually high on the Browns. I think the Browns make the playoffs this year. I think that there's a lot of guys on that team that could potentially, you know, make that coach look a lot better because they're playmakers. And if you have playmakers on your team who could bail you out or potentially bail out, you know, maybe a mistake that the coach makes, you know, I, th- I think that's a big help for for a coach. The guy I'm going to go with is, is Bruce Arians. I think, you know, it, it definitely falls in line with, you know, who's who, who the media is going to go ahead and, and have a spotlight on. I think Arians will be one of those guys. Now, he's won this award. I mean, you got to go back like seven, eight years ago when he won this award. But I think he stands a decent chance. You could get him at some pretty decent odds right around 15, 20 to 1, depending on which books you're at. But I think Arians, the fact that he has this new offense, the fact that, you know, Tampa Bay, in my eyes, they're going to win that division. I did not like the Saints. I think Drew Brees is going to fall off a cliff this year. You know, I'm not too high on Atlanta. And I don't think Carolina is going to be, you know, be all that good this year. But I think this is, you know, a division that Tampa can win. I think they're going to be in, I, I believe it's five primetime games this season. And, you know, the spotlight's going to be on that team. And then I think with Brady there, it's going to be, you know, could could that diminish anything that Arians does? Well, I think it can, but I think you could also use it as in, you know, there, it's a whole new system. It's a whole new setup. You're bringing in a, you know, a 40-year-old quarterback. You know, if they go out there and they play really well and they blow some teams out, I certainly think Arians has a shot. I like that Stefanski one as well. And Dan, I think that, you know, the Reich one has a chance, but I really think you're going to need the Colts to go ahead and have a really good season for him to go ahead and win it. So I think overall, I think one of us is going to end up cashing. So we have offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. I don't have a defensive player of the year, but I'll start out with that. Dan, if you want to go ahead and talk about defensive player of the year stuff that you have, knock that one out. All righty, same concept. I'm doing a deep dive for offensive and defensive player of the year. The general record for the defensive player of the years, they're about 11 and 5. The winners are generally edge players. They've won 10 of the last 25. A defensive tackle has won 4 of the last 25. Defensive backs have won 5 of the last 25. And off-ball linebackers have won 6 of the last 25. I know a lot of you probably want to play Gilmore again, but Gilmore was a straight outlier. Last year, he was 80-1 to to win it all for this award. He's also the only cornerback to win it. The other defensive backs all have been generally a safety cornerback mixture. 
So if I had to pick one guy right now, I'm going to roll with some TJ Watt. We know that defense is going to be good this year, and we know the defense carried Pittsburgh last year for most of the year. I think he's going to be able to get the sack numbers, and he's going to be able to get the publicity since the media loves Pittsburgh. So Dan Rivera going with the other Watt brother, TJ Watt, for his defensive player of the year. Hitman, what do you think for defensive player of the year? Yeah, so Dan was saying that's likely to be an edge rusher. So that's the position I'm looking at for this one. And it also has to be a winning team. So I'm looking at some Danelle Hunter at 25 to 1. Obviously, the Vikings are projected to win about nine games this year. So if they could get, they could very realistically get to that 10 11 win mark. And Danelle Hunter, one, he got to the league really early and really raw. I believe he was 19 years old coming out of LSU. And he was very raw at the game. And he's actually in his sixth season, but he's the youngest player in NFL history to reach 50 career sacks. So he's not a household name yet, but he's getting close to the prime of his career where he could become a household name. And the last two years is really where we've been seeing him take that next step. He has 14 and a half sacks in 2018, 14 and a half sacks in 2019. If he can reach his prime and his ceiling this year and have one of those 18, 19 sack seasons on a winning team, on a good defense, then I could see Hunter winning this. And I think he's got a little bit of value at that 25 to one number. All right. So there's the hitman pick. Not a bad pick. I have. Kind of a lean here. You guys can talk me out of it. And I know, you know, cornerbacks aren't exactly probably the way to go. But, you know, I think that the AFC East is going to be a little bit limited this year. I think there's going to be a lot of forced passes in that division this year with Cam Newton or, you know, maybe you end up with Stidham there. You know, Darnold's Darnold. I think he's going to force a lot this year. And then, you know, we might end up with Tua or, you know, some other name quarterback for Miami, depending on how everything shakes out with health or, you know, if those guys are playing well. But I think that the Bills defense is probably going to reap the benefits of, you know, bad quarterback play. So if I were going to take like maybe a cornerback, it would probably be one of the Bills cornerbacks, maybe Tredavious White. I don't know what you guys think, but I think maybe somebody on that Bills team stands a chance. Dan, I don't know if you have any odds in front of you with Bills players on them as far as defensive player of the year, but is there a white on there or any of the Bills quarterbacks or maybe one of their defensive end guys? So the consensus for Tredavious White, who I like a lot and I have as the second-best cornerback in the NFL, he's 33-1. to But unfortunately, we know the media really doesn't like Buffalo, so I don't think he's going to get the love he needs to win it. I think one of the reasons I would actually consider him is the fact that you know, if Buffalo can start out really hot, maybe they go in and they beat New England. Maybe they even sweep New England. And, you know, maybe they sweep their entire division. They start out 7-8, eight, 8-0 eight and oh or something like that and end up with, like, a really good record this season. Um, you know, maybe there's a spotlight that, that will be shined on Buffalo that hasn't been in the past. I mean, if you can go into, I would say, probably any season where you really are looking at the Buffalo Bills, I would say this season is probably, I mean, you got to go back maybe – 15, 20 years to where, you know, we were really high on a Buffalo Bills team, at least a team that's going to be under the spotlight. So that'd be the only way that I go. Offensive player of the year. Hitman, I'll let you go ahead and start out with this one. I have a pick for this one as well, but I'm going to let you go ahead and rock and roll with this one first. What are you thinking? All right. So quarterbacks typically win this award. And a lot of times it's the same quarterback that wins MVP. 
ends up winning this one. I mean, Mahomes is a pretty easy answer because he's going to put up those video game-like numbers. But if you want a little more of a long shot, let me get some Russell Wilson at 17-1. to So it's been a big media story this year on a few shows, I believe, that they're saying that, well, hey, Wilson hasn't ever gotten an MVP vote, which is just absolutely crazy to me. Like This guy is, in my opinion, undeniably the second-best quarterback in the league, future Hall of Famer, and he's never gotten an MVP vote. So maybe you see that this year that he actually starts to get some of the rec- recognition that he deserves. He probably has the best receiving weapons that he's had in Seattle with Lockett being a stud and now DK Metcalf is developing into a really good player also. And this is going to be a year where continuity is important. And Seattle is one of the top teams in the league as far as having continuity with offensive coordinator and especially head coach. So let me get some Wilson at 17 to one. If we're going to be going for a quarterback that has a little bit of longer odds. I'm going to go for a quarterback as well. And this is a quarterback that I do not like. I don't think he's worth the money he's asking for. And that's Dak Prescott. I have a feeling that the Cowboys are going to be much improved this year. And I have a feeling that Dak is going to be, you know, getting a chance to go ahead and air the ball out. And I think that even if there's a call, like McCarthy's going to be there. And I think, you know, it's like, all right, Dak, you know, kind of like run your own show. Let's see what you got. I think there's a potential where he could actually, you know, have a really, really good season. The fact that they brought in C.D. Lamb, I think that that's a big help. I think Ezekiel Elliott will be a lot more productive out of the backfield this season. It's I just have a feeling like they're going to be under the spotlight a lot this year. And that Dallas is going to, you know, right a lot of their wrongs. I particularly don't like Dak. I just don't like the Cowboys and I don't like McCarthy. Um, I haven't liked the Cowboys ever. I'm a Packer fan. But, I, I mean, if I'm going for, for any type of long shot – um, you know, I, I'm going to go probably with Dak just because I think that there might be a big, big storyline there. And if Dallas has the potential, you know, to maybe win the Super Bowl, I don't know, maybe they end up with like a 13-3 season, but that would be the guy I play. And if I do, it would be a very, very small bet, but that's the guy I would be looking at. Dan, what do you got? I'm going to go with Chalk here and use Patrick Mahomes. Hit me and touched on it already. Of the last 25 years... 10 winners have been QB. Of those 10 winners for QB, eight of them also won the MVP in the same year. The two times the winner has not won it, the MVP and offensive player of the year, was back in 2008 when Drew Brees went 8-8. Eight and eight. And the other time was, ironically, Drew Brees back in 2011 when he went 13-3. and three. The first time Drew Brees didn't win it, it's pretty self-explanatory. He didn't have a good winning record. The second time back in 2011, there was this guy named Aaron Rodgers who started 15-1 and and just torched the league for that year. So if you're going to go bet the MVP or Offensive Player of the Year, I would pass on Patrick Mahomes for MVP, and I would take him for Offensive Player of the Year because you get a much higher payout. And also, guys, I know this is going to be a trendy pick. I know people tell you how great the wide receivers are. There's only been one time in the last 25 years a wide receiver has won this award. That was Michael Thomas last year. He had 149 receptions, 1,725 yards, and 9 touchdowns. If that's what it takes to get a wide receiver to win, wide receivers are nearly untouchable to me. If you go back through time over the last 10 or 15 years, Calvin Johnson nearly broke 2,000 yards as a wide receiver. Didn't get it. There was another year where both Julio Jones and Antonio Brown put up over 1,800 yards receiving. 
again, neither have won it. To me, I can't touch one of these wide receivers. So please don't buy into the hype or any of your friends telling you that wide receivers have a good chance. The award history shows you no. Do not bet wide receivers to win this award. I think the only way you could probably bet a wide receiver is if you're in like a Drew Brees situation with, you know, maybe like a Teddy Bridgewater type backup where, you know, at least, you know, if if the starting quarterback goes out, he's not going to like he's not going to steal that award and that the backup can come in and you're not going to lose all that production. But that's such a tough award to win, you know, for a wide receiver. All right, sweet. Well, that wraps up Coach of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year. Now, we had, I think it was a few podcasts ago, we talked about Comeback Player of the Year. And Cam Newton really wasn't in our discussion when we had that podcast. But now, you know, Cam Newton is with the Patriots. We haven't talked to the hitman yet about what he thinks about Cam Newton with his arrival there in New England. So, hitman, you know, when it comes to Comeback Player of the Year, do you think he should be in the conversation now and overall? You know, how do you feel about Cam landing on New England? I think the time to bet Newton to be comeback player of the year was right when the news broke. I mean, you had an opportunity when that news broke that if you got it maybe within five, ten minutes, that you could have grabbed some Patriots over win total. And a lot of these books are going to be late to move the stuff like uh, comeback player of the year. So there was some stale 10 to 1s, 20 to 1s that I was able to get. The current odds, there's really not much value on it. But I really like the signing for New England. And it's just because it's the ultimate free roll. I mean, you get him on such a cheap contract and you get a guy that in the first half of 2018, when he was finally healthy, he was playing as if he was a top 10 quarterback. And ever since that point, the back half of 2018 and the first two games of 2019, he wasn't healthy. So I mean, you know what? Worst case scenario, if he ends up not being healthy and not playing well, then you go back to what you had previously in Stidham when you were projected to win eight and a half games. And then if it works out for the best, then you got a tremendous quarterback on a cheap deal and you can franchise tag him next year and see what happens. But I upgraded the Patriots a point and – if Newton does get to his 2018 form, then I'm probably a little light on it by only upgrading them a point. So, as I said earlier, it's the ultimate free roll, and I really like the move for the Pats. You know, when you talked about the free roll, a couple of things came into my mind about Cam Newton. The fact that New England signed him really put him in a predicament where they could have cost him potentially him ever starting again had they let him go. And if they dump him at the end of this year, even if he's has a mediocre season, his stock is going to be so low that he's going to end up only really being able to probably sign a one, two year deal, maybe a backup type deal, which I'm not sure that he's that, that guy. I think he's a starting quarterback, but the fact that they went and signed him to a one year deal, he probably, you know, sat down and talked and they probably were like, look, man, you know, we could sign you or not sign you. And if we do sign you, and we drop you, you're going to be worth, you know, probably less than what you're worth now. But if we pick you up and you do what we ask you to do, when you come in here and you be a professional, you pick this team up and, you know, you can potentially be our starting quarterback for the next couple of years, you know, we'll offer you a nice contract when the time comes. You'll get paid. You're going to get some money that that you and, and you know, this organization thinks you deserve. So I think they put him in, in a weird situation where, you know, it was a free roll really for New England. 
But in a sense, it wasn't a free roll for Cam. It was like his back was up against the wall. It was either you do it or you don't. And I think we're going to see, you know, a, a pretty good Cam Newton this year because I have a feeling, you know, that that guy wants to end up with, you know, at least one more decent contract in his career. And if he resurrects his career there in New England, you know, then he has a potential to go ahead and sign as a backup and make more money. So um, this is one chance where, you know, I, I think if you're a professional athlete, you know, that you don't want to screw up. And look, you have a really good, you know, we have a good offensive coordinator and a good head coach that probably, you know, can help you through, you know, the, the 16 game season. So, you know, I talked about that. I like the I like the signing, but I think, you know, uh, I really didn't look at a whole lot from, you know, from Cam's point of view, like where he was sitting with, you know, his entire career. Here's a guy who has a, a pretty decent career. Let's talk Patrick Mahomes. Um, he just signed this monster contract and basically he wanted security, but, you know, he, he's going to probably end up, you know, I, I would say he's going to make the full amount, whatever he's going to get. And look, I mean, he's going to be worth a half a half a billion shortly, you know, within the next 10 years. I mean, with all his, you know, probably all the endorsements he's going to end up getting and all that shit like that, he's going to end up making a lot of money. But some news came out today that, you know, Sammy Watkins took a little bit less money and you have to wonder, you know, what this team's going to look like with that big, massive contract now for Mahomes. He's worth it. And I think one of the reasons why you would sign a guy like that to that amount of money is the fact that he's going to make players who are average good. And he's going to make players that are good. He might even make them great. And I think, you know, that that's one of the things that the Chiefs were looking at is, you know, yeah, we're, we might lose some guys. And Dan, actually, you have a long list of free agents and stuff and all the things that they're going to have to go through. But I think it was a, a pretty good sign that, that Sammy Watkins said today, you know, that he wants to win. He wants to remain with that team and he was willing to take less money. But I'm not sure all these guys are going to take less money. Dan, you have a long, long list of uh, free agents that, you know, Kansas is going to have to deal with over the next year or two. Why don't you go ahead and touch on that? Yeah, a long, long list is one way to put it. So I was digging into the free agency class for Kansas City in the 2021 class and 2022. I know everybody was praising Kansas City for winning the Super Bowl, but I thought they blew it in the NFL draft. I thought they didn't manage it well at all because of this. Damian Williams, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Andrew Wiley, their starting guard, Laurent DeVarnay, Tad Riff, and I probably just butchered his name, the other starting guard, Austin Reeder, Chris Jones, Damian Wilson, one of their linebackers, Brashad Breland, and Traverius Ward, their cornerbacks, are all free agents in 2021. And I'm not sure if you guys saw, Chris Jones is saying he wants $20 million a year or he won't play this year. If I'm the Kansas City Chiefs, from this free agency class alone, I trade Chris Jones tomorrow. Get a couple of first-round picks, maybe a third and a fourth, especially because he was kind of injured a lot last year. And in 2018, he tore his MCL. To the 2022 free agency class for Kansas City, you have Tyron Matthew, Eric Fisher, Travis Kelsey, Mitchell Swartz, and Alex Okafor. Yes, that's a lot of guys. Outside of Patrick Mahomes and maybe a couple other players, these guys are pretty much going to be a whole new team by next year. So to me, Kansas City, you better start drafting well and hope and pray that your rookie class this year looks awesome. Wow, I didn't realize that they had that many free agents. As you mentioned, Dan, they're going to have to go ahead and, uh, you know, they have to pull a lot of strings and get a lot of guys to go ahead and commit, you know, to winning. And I think that, uh, you know, that's something that's not going to be all that easy to do. Hitman, you had mentioned 
before the podcast that you actually placed a bet on the Kansas City Chiefs. What exactly was that bet? Yeah, so I took a little bit of Chiefs plus 650 to win the Super Bowl. You could get that at FanDuel and BetMGM. A lot of six-to-ones also available. But it pretty much comes down to this. I hate Super Bowl futures. Like, I rarely play these. However, this season's going to be a little different to me. I've said it before that I think it's going to be all about continuity. And the Chiefs have Mahomes in his fourth season in the NFL now with the same head coach. They're returning 20 of 22 starters from last year's team. And I'm just going to put it like this. I don't want to bet against transcendent, all potential, all-time great quarterbacks with elite head coaches. Quarterback and head coach are the most important things to a franchise. And the Chiefs have the best combo of the two in the entire league. And I think pretty significantly. So with that, with head coach, with quarterback and continuity, I think that's the three most important factors going into this season. And the chiefs hit a home run with all three of those. So I think any Chiefs six to one worth a little bit of a future. If you want to sweat for the entire season. All right. So there's a hit, man. I think those are good odds. You know, when you look at the chiefs, this was the, what I think I mentioned this, and I think it was a podcast that we did, you know, maybe like two, three months ago. I, th- I think I asked you guys, you know, if there was a, a wager we can make for that team, the three-peat. Because, you know, when you end up with a guy like like Mahomes who, I mean, it's scary that this kid's peaking already. Like how long is his prime going to last and how long is that team going to last? They're going to try to do everything they can, you know, to go ahead and win the Super Bowl. I think that they could win three. You know, if I think they could win three, then I don't see why – you know, the Hitman's bet at, at you know, plus 650 or 6 to 1 um, isn't a bet that a lot of people should have in their pockets if you think that team could win three. I do. I think they could win three uh, legitimately. So that's it for the NFL talk. We have some NBA stuff here that we wanted to go through. Um, Dan, we, you and I were talking about, you know, the Nets, and we were talking about players that they lost and they're signing guys now with um, Jamal Crawford and the Wizards ended up. You know, end up losing badly. Bradley Beal, he ends up saying that, you know, his shoulder was all jacked up. So now he's out. So, you know, the Eastern Conference right now in the NBA is, is going to be a little bit crazy. Uh, you and I were looking through the schedule, and one of the things we identified is that the Wizards' team total was two and a half. Is that right? The Wizards over under right now for team total is one and a half. You can get over for plus 125 and under for minus 167. All right, so we only need to win two games if we're the Wizards to go ahead and get that over. Now they play Milwaukee, and I think they play Boston right at the end of their schedule. It might even be like their last two games or last two out of three. Is that right, Dan? This is correct. This is the Wizards' schedule. They play the Suns, the Nets, the Pacers, the 76ers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Bucks, and the Celtics. That order. So if the Suns need to lose one game and they're officially out, I would be concerned that, that the Suns maybe just go in and lay up in the first game and just say, you know, all right, cool, oh, we're out of here, whatever, and maybe, you know, we could pick up a win there. But I think you could also pick up a win at the end there if the Bucks or the Celtics are pretty much locked into where they're at. Or if they, you know, I, I have a feeling maybe the Bucks are going to have like a dress rehearsal type game, maybe in like game five, game six, which that would be, I don't know if that would be the Bucks' last game. 
or not, but I still feel like they might be resting players at that particular time. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe the Wizards team total over one and a half makes sense. I think a lot of people are going to be down on them. Hitman, do you have any thoughts on, on the Wizards or the Nets when we're, we're looking at like team totals and NBA restart? Yeah, right now the Nets are a two and a half wins. Wizards at one and a half wins. I, I could only look under. And I know that it's accounted for in the marketplace right now that these teams are going to be missing half their roster. But you just really have to worry about the motivation of these teams and also the chemistry, you know, because you're missing so many star players and so many players in the rotation that you're going to have a lot of guys that haven't played together. I mean, the, the Nets just signed Michael Beasley and Jamal Crawford off the street. The Wizards are playing guys that were 10th, 11th, 12th in their rotation. So these guys don't have a lot of experience. And in a normal season, you would be like, all right, well, you know what? Give them maybe – eight, nine, 10 games, and they'll get a little chemistry and maybe play better as the season goes on. But they're not getting that luxury in this season because it's only an eight-game season. So with the motivation for these teams and with the lack of chemistry that they're going to be having, you could only look under on these two teams. One thing I'll add to that, Sleepy, is that one and a half, I mean, two games is not hard to win. You know, I mean, you could lock your way into two wins. So, I mean, even though I'm not looking at an over on them, one and a half, it's maybe gun the head, I'd lean it, but I'm surely not betting that. Well, you know, when you, you made a pretty good point when you were like, you know, they're, they're signing guys off the street and, you know, the teams that, that are left – Let's just say I want to go back to the end of the schedule for, you know, for the Wizards. The fact that you have the Bucks and they're they're if if they're doing a walkthrough, they're not going to play any of their guys. It's going to be you know their deepest guys on the bench who you know really don't play a whole lot. But I feel like with the, at least the Wizards, yeah, they're going to bring in some other players, but they're going to end up playing each and every game. So you know they might actually be in in a little bit of a groove after you know five, six, seven games where you know maybe they they do shock. The, the Bucks. I mean, nobody is expecting them to beat the Bucks. Nobody's expecting them to beat Boston. But this is just a weird, weird time where, you know, we don't know what these teams are going to do. And for me to just blindly fade and just say that they, they stink, whatever, I get it. it. That might be the right way to go. But I, I'm not making that bet, but I'm just saying I, I wouldn't rule out going ahead and putting a little money on the Wizards. Again, I, I think some way, somehow, they shock everybody and they're just like, you know, they win like three games and everybody's like, oh, geez, you know, maybe they weren't as bad as they thought. I just have that gut feeling. Um, so that's it for the NBA. We'll talk more NBA uh, as we start getting closer and closer. We'll start breaking down the games and uh, we'll, we'll maybe we could find some more prop bets over the next couple of weeks here. Certainly we'll be uh, deep diving, you know, probably every day uh, in the NBA with our podcast. Um, one of the things we have left here, guys, I have UFC here. I'll make this real quick. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take Rose to go ahead and win. Now you're going to have to lay a decent price. It's like minus like 250, 225, 200 at some books. Uh, I don't think there's any way that she loses. And in the main event, you have Usman and you have Masvidal. Now Masvidal is going to be, I think he's at a, at a pretty big disadvantage here, you know, going ahead, jumping on a plane. He's got to lose like 20 pounds. He's going to be, you know, in a spotlight. And it's not like he hasn't been there before, but it's like, you know, one of the things with Usman is that dude goes five rounds. He's gone like five rounds in his last five fights. And Masvidal, you know, he has a lot of decisions under his belt. But 
I'm just not sure he's going to be ready for a five round fight. Um, you know, with, with short notice, having to go ahead and drop a bunch of pounds. You know, if I'm him, I'm looking at it like, dude, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to kill this dude early. So I think there is potential for this one not to go the distance because if Masvidal goes out there and tries to kill Usman quick, um, that's where all his energy is going to be. And then if, if Masvidal burns himself out, you know, Usman, who, you know, he might want to, he might enjoy just beating him up a little bit if that's the case. And maybe he just, you know, strings it all the way out to a decision. So I don't necessarily know where to go with the the distance, but I feel Usman is probably a pretty good bet. Uh, you might even want to parlay him and Rose. I think that that is a, you know, a, you'll get a decent payout. It'll probably be a little bit more than even money, but um, that's really all I have for the UFC. I'll probably end up betting every fight just because I like sitting here and watching it and then eventually, you know, digging in and, and finding decent bets to make. But I really like Rose. I think she, she'll be solid. And Usman, I just think, is just going to be too much, you know, for Masvidal. He's just, you know, it's short notice and you got to lose a bunch of weight. It's going to be um, tough. All right, so that's it, guys. That's it for our podcast. Big thanks to Dan Rivera and the Hitman. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can get Dan Rivera at DanRivera228. And you can get the Hitman at pregamehitman. And as always, you can find us on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. Guys, we'll be back. Probably next week with, uh, you know, maybe some NFL stuff. We'll talk a little bit of college football. There's been a lot of breaking news surrounding college football. Maybe we could find some wagers for you guys. We'll probably dig in the NBA and we'll see what happens in the sports world. We'll, do, we'll find some of the newsy stuff and uh, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll break that stuff down for you guys. But with that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the games.